This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you here back from my intercontinental vacation. Eric Lopez is not here. He's got the week off. Well-deserved. Thank you, Eric, for filling in for me for two weeks. Joining me on location from Cleveland, Ohio, of all places, is Statboy Drew himself, the uh, Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia, Andrew Glukov. What's up, Drew? Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Speaking of Leroy Jenkins, we're going we're gonna to dive into a little debate that you and I had uh, with some hashtag content a little bit later in the show. <laughs> Bryson Turner is going to join us as well um, later on to talk about UCF track and field in the NCAA Nationals. Some good news, some shocking news out of there as well. But uh, we start with um, the biggest story, I think, that we uh, that that occurred while I was gone. I guess we could say that, right, Drew? UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati will join the Big 12 Conference on July the 1st, twenty. 20- 23 the meeting the uh, agreement was made between uh, those three schools and the American to reach a buyout uh, the buyout according to you drew um, which was actually according to several other sources but whatever you wrote it uh, 18, $18 million dollars per school the 10 million dollar exit fee plus an extra eight million for getting out a, a few months early uh, of course you recall Yukon uh, paid $17 million to leave early in 2020. Uh, the $18 million is due over a 14-year period from 2023 to 2036. The first $10 million will be paid over two years, with the remaining eight to be paid over the next 12. And that's uh, according to uh, some reporting by Sam Kahn Jr. and Justin Williams of The Athletic. Um, and, uh, of course, obviously, that's a much less than people were thinking that UCF uh, Houston and Cincinnati would have to be. I think the American was trying to get, was trying to extract forty-five million, weren't they? Um, yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't going to fly. But uh, um, now UCF still has some expenses that they have to pay, um, particularly the admission fee, if you will, to the Big Twelve. Um, but in the wake of the stadium naming rights deal with FBC Mortgage and also the um, 3MG Roofing Club, that uh, that deal that just came down, Terry Mahajer announced earlier this week, uh, a little bit extra dough to play with here to uh, pay off these extra uh, fees. Kyle Nash is also joining us here on the show. And um, as we look at this, you know, obviously, you know, we thought that this would happen. Um, it's... It, the figures I think are uh, in line with what we thought. I still think it's a little high considering that UConn paid less and had less leverage. Um, but whatever, everyone gets to shake hands, pat each other on the back and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston get to collect their big 12 checks starting in July, 2023. Yeah, everyone wins. everyone wins in this one. Uh, you know, obviously the American wanted more money. I thought it was going to end up being a little closer to 20, but 18 is good. 18 is real good. And, you know, the American gets the benefit of getting that, that 10 mil upfront quicker. Uh, the normal bylaws had that 10 million payment in four years. 
with this agreement, it's going to be paid by the three schools in two years. And then you have that little bit of revenue stream that's going to be going on progressively for the next you know, dozen years. And, and what they do with the money, you know, who knows? Uh, they, they can do similar to what they did when the Big East uh, name was sold to the Catholic Seven uh, for $100 million, uh, where they split it amongst all the schools. The remaining schools got a larger share in that case um, during the days of the Big East. It was South Florida, Temple, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Cincinnati and Yukon. And then everyone else got a smaller share uh, of that $100 million over the course of a number of years. Uh, they can do it like that, where the remaining schools get the, the lion's share of it, or they just pack it away for a rainy day, put it under the mattress. Uh, they're not sure how they're going to do it, but you know what, what they should do is probably save it, because as we know, you know, the conference sometimes comes in and helps with uh, cost overruns for like giant, you know, big, you know, New York Six Bowl games and stuff like that. Uh, if the cost is too high, the, the conference comes to the rescue and helps. Uh, it helped UCF with the Fiesta Bowl twice. And, you know, the school is obviously very grateful for it, but the cash has to come from somewhere. It doesn't just magically appear. So uh, yeah. if I if I was you know, the, the commissioner, I would hold on to the money and, and stash it away, but uh, who knows what the conference is going to end up doing. But because the date has been set for the American three to leave uh, and, and enter the big 12 on July 1st, 2023, the six new schools coming in have all announced officially that they too will be moving as yeah. of July 1st, 2020, they, they were basically- That, that was announced today, Wednesday. We're recording yeah. this on Wednesday, June uh, 15th. That's UAB, Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, and uh, UTSA all joining the American on the day that UCF Cincinnati and Houston leave. I'm sorry, Drew, go ahead. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, no, they were basically stuck in limbo until this got solved. So you, like we, we heard for a while, oh, we're getting close, we're getting close, we're getting close. You knew the clock was, was, was getting to that 11th hour because if it got past June, uh, you, you would have major problems on your hands. Uh, Conference USA actually gave the, those, that departing six an extension. Uh, normally, it was a 14-month waiting period. They, they stretched it a little bit and, and gave them a little more time because they knew what was coming. They just wanted things taken care of and uh those six obviously handled things uh a lot more amicably than the three that left earlier this year and will be joining the sun belt this fall uh kyle uh, your thoughts on on how this all kind of went down as well I, I i thought that you know for all the wrangling and the public posturing everything just kind of settled into exactly more or less, like Drew said, where we thought it would. I mean, was, I think it might've been me who on a pod many moons back um, compared this to the, the Drew Brees renegotiation with the saints um, the sec for his second contract. Like, didn't he sign that like at 11 PM the night before or something ridiculous like that? I had a feeling that this would be an 11th hour, hour kind of scenario because everybody's trying to shake out as best they can. You make the point about maybe you thought they overpaid compared to uh, UConn. Here's the thing. Everybody. One million bucks. Uh, okay, fine. Listen. And, and, re and remember that they uh, that UConn 
gave even less notice Correct. than these three did. Right. Um, but I, in this case, I feel like the American would have preferred these programs stay. And whereas UConn was addition by subtraction at the end of the day. And hey, listen, I'm down with an extra million being spent getting rid of that stupid conflict trophy conversation that we keep having every year. Because I'm over it. You do, you, do, you do realize that it never actually went away. It's still here. You know. No, it's, no, whatever. I'm going to fight tooth and nail. I know <laughs> you're there's been more than one. That's the thing. Uh, the original was destroyed from weather. Or there's been more than one official trophy. So like legit to believe trust. that. Nope, 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 nope. No, no, no. no. I, I, I talked to people in the know. Uh, the one that still exists is a real uh, one that, that the school has. However, the original, original one did get destroyed. It was basically redone um, from an official standpoint. Well, it was left out in the rain, right? You know. And... Yes. It, it got destroyed by the weather. <laughs> I did confirm anyway. that with people in the know. I didn't mean to this this to go this long, but saying let's, yeah, let's pull it back, pull it back. Right, exactly. But 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 uh, I think Kyle makes a very valid point of of, of this going away. Uh, that is an example of how not to manufacture a rivalry. Okay, <laughs> we'll deal with that later. Back to what we were talking about. <laughs> it's called teasing, Jeff. Come on, no. But seriously, yeah. I mean, for all the posturing, everything, I think Drew was right. Every, at the end of the day, this deal, when it got done, was going to help everybody. And when the game of chicken began, there would be concessions to see to it that it went through. Because at the end of the day, the sooner conference, uh, 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 not conference use, I'm sorry, the American Athletic Conference and Mike Oresco were in position to look for those Conference USA replacements, the better off for them as well, and all of that. The last thing they want to do is do anything to screw over their would-be entrants as well. And by the way, as fast-moving and fast-developing programs are, we are not talking enough about the Charlotte 49ers. Anyways, but yeah, th I think there's, there's a lot more dominoes here that had to fall so concessions were going to be made uh, bo on both sides this is how you handle the deal drew go ahead well Kyle Nash, ever gonna, the 49ers fan in some way, i was gonna but, point that out too, he, he's definitely got a 49ers bias but but that's neither here nor there I'm okay browner it is a rising is a rising program from a, a an all sports standpoint For real. uh here, here's the thing you know everyone you know the the key was get it done and get something out of it that's beneficial for everybody uh, you know, and, and, and make everyone happy because, you know, some schools wanted to burn bridges, but none of these three schools really wanted to, uh, you know, you still want to, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That maybe Cincinnati road. with that flag stunt, but anyway, <laughs> well, I, I, th I think that, and that was more PR, but if you notice, they kind of pulled back after that. Uh, yeah, you can't they, unring I, that bell. Well, I, I, I'll be honest. Yeah, everyone got a little overexcited, you know, and, and who can blame them? I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, you're especially from a school like Cincinnati, who you know went from Conference USA to the Big East, was a BCS auto qualifying conference, gets knocked down a few pegs to the Group of Five, and now gets to go back to the to the have table. Uh, they were a little excited, a, maybe a little overexcited. If you notice, Houston and and UCF had a lot more um, professional reactions to it. Uh, they didn't quite go over the top. And I think part of that is because they, you know, never really been there, done that. You know, you had that one year stint in 2013, but um, they, you know, they really didn't drink from the fountain like Cincinnati did, you know, for the eight years that they were a BCS school. 
Uh, but in, in the end of the day, in the end of the day, everyone just wanted to to get something out of it. And and the American got the extra eight million for each school, so the twenty four. They get the early pay on the on the ten million, which guarantees that money in their coffers because we don't know what the future holds. Uh, we don't know what is going to happen with the FBS. Uh, you know, in the future, we don't know what, you know, what college sports are going to look like in, you know, 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be look, it can look very different. You know, I, I like to be a little optimistic and say that, you know, these conferences will still be around, but you, you really don't know. You can't really tell the future. So it gives the American the, the, the satisfaction of getting at least that, that 10 million relatively upfront. It doesn't financially burden the schools leaving, they're going to be able to use the money that they get out of the, the Big 12, which should be $18 million the first year, $19 million the second year as, as basically half shares, uh, essentially, before becoming full share members with that new media contract in 2025. Uh, so everyone wins. Uh, I, think every, I, I don't think this could have really done much better than it did. Yeah, that was the other half of it. I want to look at this from the UCF perspective, too. Uh, the Big 12 announced that, uh, or at least there was some reporting out there, that UCF will, uh, and the other two, will be at, will be getting half shares for the first two years. Is that right, Drew? Correct. And that's the last two years of this old deal. And, right. it's, and then not, the new it's not unprecedented either, because TCU and West Virginia, when they joined, also got partial shares. Yeah, this is the best deal we could have got without somebody feeling slighted. And, and I think the biggest part about all of this is people or entities or, or programs or conferences or whoever not feeling slighted at all. Get opens the door for future out of conference scheduling uh, opportunities too, which will be strangely relevant, I think, in the near future of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, now, we, now that we my, know, yeah. we know UCF we'll get there. help. We'll get there. But uh, what I was going to say was the uh, the uh, full share happens when that new media deal comes up. So I think that's that's really the next thing that we have to look for is what I remember when we had Terry Mahajer on the show. I tried to get it out of him. I don't think he quite bit. Was um, what happens now with the with the new Big 12's media negotiations? What does that look like? Drew, uh, you had it in your piece that uh, the Big 12 announced $43 million payouts per school in the last in the most recent cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, given that uh, th that looks like UCF will be getting somewhere between you say, you know, just using that as a figure, 18 to $20 million a year for those for, for those first two years. Big bump from the just under $8 million UCF received from the American last season. Um, it but now this is, yeah, it, 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 it does, it does fluctuate. fluctuate a little bit. Um, those are low-end figures. Those are low-end. Yeah. Th those are figures on the low end. Um, and I think it's the safest from a budgetary standpoint is to, you know, take the conservative side. Um, both – uh, you know, because the Big 12 had a payout bump in 2020 to 21 versus, you know, 2018, 19, which was their their last full year before COVID right. was actually lower. Uh, but not every conference went up. Um, you know, the, the Big 10 had a, a little bump. The, the SEC had a little bit of a bump as far as on the negative side. Uh, you know, this is the first year back from COVID. Uh, but this also is a combination of not just the media deal, but you also get other payouts, you know, NCAA units from tournaments and all that other stuff. So I'm, I think the, the bowl agreement too, I think that's another mm -hmm. big one that, that I think so we're going to keep an eye on. 
Right. Yeah. And and the thing with the bowl agreement is it's it's not like the old system where you know you had seven bowl games, you know exactly which bowl games they were going to be, and it was this is what you got, this is what you got. Now there's a lot there's a lot of jockeying for bowls. There things move around and stuff, and the payouts. Well, it's more, it is more or less like that though, because the Big Twelve does have its tie in with the Sugar Bowl where they play the highest ranked SEC team that's not in the playoff. And then it goes, so. and then it opens up from there. And, and you see this more with the group of five bowls, uh, the ESPN owned bowls uh, with this current cycle that we're on right now, where a lot of it is pooled, there's pooled stuff. And there's a lot of alternate agreements more so than in prior bowl cycle contracts. And, and the bowl cycle contracts uh, actually are going to be coming to a head very soon because the CFP is going to be ending. They all end together. And mm-hmm. uh, I know Basically, the head of the CFP basically told everyone, you got to get your act together. We got to get something working here. So uh, this could be an opportunity for the Big 12. Um, plus or minus, hard to say. But, I mean, something's going something's to give. This is, this is the other big one. I went back and looked at the uh, archives. If I see something else, more updated on it. But um, the Big 12 and the SEC are still in the middle of a 12-year deal with ESPN for rights to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. That pays $80 million a year through 2026. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the end of the cycle. Yeah. So so that's, you know, once the TV agreement happens, then the bowl agreement has to, has to be made with the conferences and whoever is going to be televising uh from from there on uh let's see what uh, well there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts here yeah while you're looking jeff just so it can be said and we can make this abundantly clear for anybody who's listening there is no scenario that can be immediately seen as far as bowl scheduling and things like that involving ucf's entrance into the big 12 come july 1st 2023 where their bowl situation in isn't improved right whether it be uh since oh no doubt yeah the the drop between you, uh, um, NY6 Bowl and, you know, no offense to the Gasparilla, but, like, there are other bowls that are on dates that get more eyeballs and have a, a bigger draw overall on TV. Now, granted, UCF and Florida being involved, they were this past season, regardless of the outcome, pulled more eyeballs to it historically than ever before. But, but it's a low-paying bowl. But it shouldn't <laughs> right. take a groundbreaking event every year to make a have a bowl game be lucrative for you if you are a national power, as UCF is trying to be. Yeah, yeah I think that was you, one of the. Uh, oh, sorry, Drew, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and Kyle, you know, you know, you have a, a lot of expertise covering those Orlando bowls. Capping World Bowl mm-hmm. is a Big Twelve affiliated bowl game. It absolutely is, Drew Glukoff. It's very interesting you've mentioned that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I actually have <laughs> spoken to former Big 12, and now uh, yet another example of soon-to-be current Big 12 coach Dana, Dana Holkerson. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So uh, our la- the last thing I wanted to add, and I know that you guys are going to be like, well, who gives a rip? But um what does this mean for the American? you know what does this mean for the american uh, you know going forward now that these three teams are gone uh you know i think that they're that obviously they take a step back and i think they're neck to neck with the Sun Belt right now there's a big the well, gap between the american and the power and the power five you know where the american had kind of clearly established itself as on the gradient between this 
I like I, th- I tend to think there was more of a group of four, the American plus the power five. Now the American, I think, has taken a re- you know, has taken a step back because of not the loss so of fast, my friend. Well done, or- Corso. <laughs> OK, Coach there- Corso, what do you want? There are two frames of reference here. There is the on field one, which you're exactly right on. And then there's the dollar figure one, which you're absolutely wrong about. Okay? <laughs> because the dollar figures aren't changing. Uh, it's been reported uh, a couple of times and it's been very quiet that before things all turned upside down, that the American and ESPN kind of reworked things. And that's partially why they expanded the way they did so that the t- payout remains the same. The per team payout remains the, the same. per team payout. Re- so ESPN is actually so. So what you're saying is ESPN is actually Pay increasing more. its total annual payout to the American to accommodate the three additional schools. Is that right? Correct. They get the inventory. And if you notice, none of those Sunbelt teams, ESPN property, were pulled in this expansion. They were all Conference USA teams, not an ESPN property. So now ESPN has more inventory within the FBS. They made it lucrative enough to the American to to kind of hold things steady because they could have blown the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, ESPN Mm -hmm. had that right, and they, they chose not to. But from that dollar figure standpoint, I the there's a gap between the American and the and everyone below them from a payout standpoint. You know, the, the field product may be different, but you cannot deny that the dollars way favor the Americans still. Hey, and that's I will ESPN say, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, that's ESPN paying for growth opportunity. We've had this conversation on this podcast about you yeah. know paying a little bit more for growing programs. And let me add on to that. You know, we're, we're expecting the Big Ten to no longer be an ESPN product and potentially the Big 12 could be out too with the SEC joining. So they need lower level product on board. So I mean, this, this actually helps ESPN, you know, cover those midweek games and you have Max, Sunbelt and, and American kind of closing that, that lower level with the SEC as the umbrella. I will say, and I had mentioned this before to uh, JP Gilbert and you, Drew, on Twitter, that you know the, the addition of those six teams does fall in line with the Americans' business model of taking those you know more metro area schools that are the second to third in line within their sort of region, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and hoping and basically rolling the dice and 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 and. It, it the dice came up pretty well with UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, and Memphis. I should add mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you, you know you invest in those schools, give them the opportunity to strut their stuff on the national stage, and lo and behold, I mean, now I, I'm not saying that I, I'm not you know I'm not saying that UTSA fans should should book their CFP tickets just yet, but uh, there's an opportunity though. But the, yeah, the, there's an opportunity there, and that's good. And that's good for those schools. And I think that you know we at UCF should be proud of the fact that we were able to pave the way um, for uh, you know for where they were going. And uh, speaking of the Sun Belt, one other thing that we want to talk about, of course, remember Terry Mahajer broke on our podcast that UCF men's soccer is looking to is expected uh, to join the Sun Belt Conference for men's soccer only. That has not been officially announced yet. Uh, however, I, I would imagine that the next conference realignment news we are going to hear, at least from UCF, will be uh, that being officially announced at some point. Exactly when we don't know, but uh, but you know from things I've been hearing, um, you know both from you know, from the Sun Belt in particular, uh, that 
it's it, they want to let Snyder sort of every you know the ink dry on everything else. Uh, and you know, I would imagine obviously the date would be July 1, 2023, but uh, again, we don't, it hasn't been it. I'm always, you know, I, you guys know me. I'm always paranoid. I'm like, I, I get nervous until it's officially announced, officially announced, you know, like when well, the press release comes out, I feel better about it. But obviously, you know, 2023 or early 2023, UCF men's soccer ostensibly will be a member of the Sunbelt Conference. But realignment does affect men's soccer this year. Uh, you have those old it's Conference true. USA teams that need it, that are planning on moving to the American. Three of them. Yeah, moving a year early. So UCF's going to be affected, you know, um, the uh, FIU. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the other ones off the top. I think UAB and, and one of the other schools. I don't have it in front of me. I think it was Charlotte. But, I'll double check. But they're coming 2022 into the American. So so during UCF swan song, men's soccer will have a change. Uh, so, you know, even even though thing, the, the, you know, things are planned for the future, the future is also now, and it's going to impact UCF this fall. Yeah, and and by the way, this that addition, by the way, is a is a big step up for the uh, for UCF men's soccer in what will be their final year uh, in the uh, American. I just want to double check and make sure that I have the right uh, schools here. It's going to be UAB, FAU, and uh, oh no, uh, yeah, UAB, FAU, and. No, FIU. Yeah, 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 you're right. I'm sorry about that. It's and going to be, be UAB, FIU, FAU, and uh, Charlotte. Yeah, and FIU will be uh, an affiliate going forward. Obviously, the, the other three will be affiliates this year, full members next year. Um, but, you know, expect to play a, a few more Florida schools this this coming year for, for men's soccer. Yeah. And that's good. That's good for soccer in the Sunshine State. I think that's, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, key for both of these squad, for both of these teams going forward. And it, um, I should I should mention James Madison and FIU. Not now I've got it right, I think. <laughs> well, James Madison is uh, is going to the Sun Belt. Oh, that's right. Yep. Gosh, uh, what, but, what but in the it, world are they? OK, but yeah, it's okay, but they're joining in women's that lacrosse. That. That's right. It's good that you mentioned you know, uh, James Madison, those schools, you know, the Sunbelt, which is now they've expanded on their members is, is basically taking over the other half of CUSA for, for men's soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to be a really good conference to go into. That's really, you've got the, the actual Sunbelt schools, and then you have all the displaced power, power fives, you know, the Kentuckys, the South Carolinas, the West Virginias, and then soon to be UCFs. Yeah. Um, so you got the, all the displaced power fives that, that their conferences just don't have enough to to support their own that that sport. They all find a home in the Sun Belt. So and, I, and I, I should uh, I'm sorry, Drew. I should clarify again. I'm uh, jet lag is a hell of a, is a hell of a thing, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, Charlotte, FIU, FAU, and UAB are the four teams that are joining in 2022. Jeff, you're okay. I I I flew on the uh, 6 a.m. red eye. I'm in. I've been awake since about three in the morning. So I feel yeah. like don't compare well, this to a six hour time difference. Wrong with you. Uh, no, you no, no, you didn't. You, you moved. Yeah. You, you barely moved a time zone. I'm coming off of a barely 48, moved time zone. I, 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 a 40, 4,800 mile, nine hour 
six times. I went, I flew a quarter of the way around the world in nine hours. So I don't want to hear it. Um, yeah. Sorry, my arm's tired. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. That is, that is a, uh, that is a Kyle Nash worthy dad joke. Um, I have never sunk to that low level. That is a grandfather joke. Okay. Let's yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so that's the story right now. 2023, uh, July the 1st, UCF joins the big, I can't, you know, you remember when we were kids and like 2023 seemed like it was like, we'd <laughs> be so old In when that happens, right? Yeah. I, and now here it is. And UCF is going to be in the big, UCF is going to be in the big 12 conference in 2023. You know, I remember playing, you know, NCAA Man. 2003 and you can like move teams around conferences based on how well they do. And yeah, you because know, of you, course you can just throw conferences all over the place in a video game. No one cares oh, about yeah. television I mean, contracts. What happened. And the, I mean, the, basically everything got tossed. Hey, let's wait. You see in the Pac-12 and see how that goes. Anyway, stranger things have happened. Rutgers in the Big Ten. <laughs> Has anyone ever failed up as well as Rutgers? I don't know, man. I've got uh, Maryland. Well, at least Maryland's done something. <laughs> they, they at least been to a BCS bowl. Yeah. Speaking of failing up, when we return on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, uh, Drew and I will be refereed by one Mr. Nash talking about our little dueling columns we had uh, this week, why I am sad that the war on I-4 is ending in football and why Drew thinks I'm stupid. Uh <laughs> And, oh god we don't have enough time for this segment and the and the uh the public reaction to it we'll talk about that and we'll spin that forward to uh you know what what does ucf's f- football future in the big 12 now really look like lay out the the, the lay of the land who's going to be the, the marquee regular season game that we look forward to every year stick around we'll be back we'll be right back this is the black and gold banner podcast We are back here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Andrew Glukov, and Kyle Nash joining me here. Uh, a little break, late breaking news that Lopez just dropped on us uh, in his absence uh, from Brian Fisher. Uh, a few updates from the NCAA Division I Council. The 21st century model, which we've talked about on this podcast with um, uh, head coach Scott Calabrese of UCF, that has been tabled once again by the um by the ncaa count so that's the, that's the thing where they're trying to make men's soccer a two semester sport kind of like golf and tennis um that's been tabled again unfortunately you know it looked like it and you know from what i understand from people who i've talked to in the world of college men's soccer all the stars had aligned for it to happen in early 2020 and then COVID happened and the and the constellation has been thrown into chaos again. So uh, it's still tabled. I think eventually it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, also, volleyball uh, moves to limit itself to 32 matches. Uh, there are also standardized medical hardship waivers and men's wrestling minimum financial aid slash season of competition changes. That's according to Brian Fisher, uh, the wrestling. He's with Athlon Sports, by the way, but uh, no, nobody... Nobody aside from Eric Lopez cares about college wrestling. There is uh, no NCAA college wrestling in the state of Florida. Correct. Correct. Who was the last school to have it? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, I believe it was Stetson. I thought so. T- I, I seem to remember. Yes, Stetson might have had it. 
I, but I that was remember. decades ago. <laughs> yeah, that was that was before our time. Uh, speaking of before our time, uh, let's talk about the thing that people on our Twitter feeds have been talking about. I released a column on Tuesday, uh, Requiem for a Rivalry, the War on I-4. I've been working on this for a few weeks. And um, my main thrust was this, that you know, with UCF joining the Big 12 in 2023, we are heading for the final year of the War on I-4 in football. Not in all sports. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, uh, it's, it's basically a foregone conclusion that we're going to play USF in non-conference games in, uh, sports other than football. Um, but football is the crown jewel. And since 2013, they have been our primary, uh, rival. They're a geographic route. We got a trophy game and everything. Um, and that's going to go away after, um, after this year. And I wrote a compensating that, you know, I, I thought this was, this is one of the sad things about conference realignment is we're losing this rivalry that has all the things that a great rivalry has. And I, and I kind of listed them off as proximity, condescension, drama, politics, Lord almighty, the pettiness. I, I mean, it has, a, and, and it's funny. Like, I, I put this up and my, my main thesis was, Hey, this rivalry has been so, so fun, right? I think, you know, and so filled with that, 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 that stuff, that stew that makes great rivalries. It's the stuff that made Auburn and Alabama not play for 25 years over $34. It's, it's, uh, it's Drew, you would recognize this. Um, Woody Hayes running out of gas as he's leaving driving out of the state of Michigan after visiting a recruit, but he's still in Michigan, like just across the Ohio border. And instead of filling up his car within the borders of the state of Michigan, he pushes his car across the state border to Ohio and fills it up there. Like it's that kind of thing. And and my thought was, Hey, you know something? We are in the position now that they were in 15 years ago, kind of talking down to us and playing the, finite game saying that they had won it's over we played the infinite game stepped up our game to respond to them and look where we are now and now it seems like the tables have turned a little bit usf is starting to play the infinite game they're moving on the on-campus stadium the ipf is underway they know that they have been had by us and now they're trying to get on the last what they think might be the last possible train of conference expansion if there's additional expansion within the big 12, which, you know, I, I think there's a non-zero chance of that happening. And I'm pretty sure you two guys believe that too. So my thought was, look, if they get it together, we could have the upper hand permanently on them. And you say, look, if, if they're, if they're one of, if the big 12 decides to expand by two or four, instead of doing what they did with us in the big East and blocking us, right. Which turned out to be a stupid decision. Why not do the right thing, show them how it's really done, and have the permanent upper hand vote for them? If again, assuming they get all their stuff together, the IP, the on-campus stadium, and all that, and say, you know something, we'll always have the upper hand over you because you wouldn't be here without us because we did the right thing. And man, have I gotten pushback on Twitter from this. Wow. Well, I mean, 
part of, and, part but, of it, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I, want, I want to make this point because Drew, I, I want you to talk about your comedy today. But here's but here's the thing that here's the thing about that. All the response I've gotten from that, oh, to me, only proves my point. Knew you were going to, which is this rivalry. You guys hate that we hate them so much that it's it's so personal that everyone's like, no way. Let them die. Let them let the let them rot on the vine with FAU and F uh, with FAU in the in the American. They should be an FCS school for all year. And guys, look, first of all, that's not going to happen. Second of all, they they are higher up in the begging order of institutions right now. I think they they are now one of the premier institutions within the American. I really do believe that right now with us or now now out of the way. Okay, and. You know, and that, but that response, that emotional response is exactly what I'm talking about. It's exactly what we're getting. It's exactly what we get with them and nobody else. We're not going to get it with Houston. <laughs> we're not going to get it with Cincinnati. We're not going to get it with West Virginia. We're not going to get it with Texas Tech. We're not going to get it with anyone else. Well, you're exaggerating a little bit. There hasn't been. Oh, that really? Bad. You want to read my yeah. mentions? No, no, no. He's he's right. No, they're all up on him. He's he's right about. Well, it. Well, him- and, and a lot of them have said had said this. We won't block them. We won't advocate for those them. Are, and, those are the fair. Those are that's fair. And when that's I'll my th- that. that's my thought process. Uh, here's the big difference. Well, there's there's a few differences here between what happened, you know, and and. 2000 and you know three with the original Big East expansion and then the cliff and then 2010 USF seven years later and Judy Genshaft drove the Big East off of um, you know <laughs> the big the big thing here is when when USF joined the Big East they became complacent and, and UCF kind of started re- you know got as I said in the article dare I say bullish on you know moving forward on their facilities that hasn't stopped by the way jeff that's the one you're looking for (laughs) yeah that hasn't stopped this is a big difference uh ucf's not showing complacency they are uh still very aggressive uh with a very detailed plan of how they want to become near the top of the biggest they're of the big 12 you know usf was happy to be there uh, UCF and their administration obviously is not just happy to be there. And I think that's a quick very point, big quick point of difference. order. You quick point of order on that. And I'll let you get Now you make a good point about complacency because there was a point in time when UCF was complacent. We know when that was, and, and it was in that led it, to this whole thing in the first. Right. Point. And it was in the late nights. Remember, Drew, remember Steve Sloan, when Steve Sloan, right. When he said that, Oh, we're, you know, when conference USA was being formed, Right. They wanted UCF in 1997, and he said, no, we want to hold out for an invite to the ACC or the Big East. Everyone knew that was not going to happen. And what happened? When the Great Midwest and the Metro Conference merged and became Conference USA, UCF they took got South left Florida, out. and UCF got left out. And well, that's, that, that was the, the spark, I think, that that started lighting a fire under UCF's behind. Well, the other thing with that is UCF's always been a step behind. Uh, when UCF moved, uh, ended up in the Sun Belt after their one year when the American South merged, 
was right after USF left for the Metro. Uh, so they were always one step behind. And, you know, USF goes to Conference USA, UCF goes to the TAC, uh, then goes to Conference USA. So they were always behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were you know, in, we were in the MAC, they were in Conference USA. We were in Conference USA, they were in the Big East. Correct. Uh, there was always a step behind there. And, and, and that was one reason why they had more success in all sports for the most part early on, you know, and, and a lot of those series are still in favor of South Florida uh, because of that. Uh, they, they were just always a step ahead from an affiliation standpoint, and it makes a difference. You, know, you bring in better caliber athletes. You know, we know the transatlantic slash Atlantic Sun at the time was a very low major, you know, one of the bottom of the comp, uh, barrel division one conferences. And I got to give the ASEN a lot of credit. They have redefined themselves and have really pushed themselves as far as uh, respectability in the division one uh you know, pecking order as they yeah, grow into yeah. football and other stuff. But but that's neither here nor there. That was long after UCF left. So, you know, now that they got on par, you know, the complacency that, that USF always had from being a step ahead came back to haunt them. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it was a momentum thing. And, and the momentum has taken UCF uh, up and beyond. You know, it comes back to resume. You know, UCF has built a very good, resume you know the football success in 2013 2017 and 2018 cannot be denied um they have won they they and houston are tied for the most conference championships come total in the american uh mm-hmm. in, in, in its history since 2013 uh usf i believe is tied for third with tulsa uh you, you so tulsa. I mean, <laughs> yeah anyway so so uh you know that that resume you know they're they're it's been earned. It's a little bit different than what happened in 2003, you know, 2003, you know, Miami and Virginia tech were, were, were leaving the ACC or for the ACC. There was a lot of chaos. So they were looking at new schools, Louisville and Cincinnati were the two. And then they had UCF as a possible football only until Boston college left that took UCF out of convention, uh, out of contention. USF got brought in as an all sports because UCS facilities are absolutely but, terrible. We and, all know. And by the way, it was it was Judy Genshaft who did that again too. By the way, in two thousand, I think a lot of people forget that they, that there was an all uh, or a football only invite that was being heavily discussed in two thousand three, and uh, and she put the kibosh on that one too. Everyone remembers twenty ten. Nobody remembers two thousand three. The only one that I I get. Think, and I'm sorry for diverting a little bit here, Drew, but I, I wanted to know what you thought on this. I, the only one thing I don't remember was what the other sports would have done if that uh, went through. Well, because uh, the Big East wouldn't have, wouldn't have been cool with us staying in the A Sun, you know. So, uh, well, it never got to that point. Um, you know, right. uh, it was shortly after that that UCF got the Conference USA invite. Right. So, for all sports. Point, you know, yeah, for all sports. So this at this point, UCF still in the MAC for football. They're still in the A Sun for other sports. Uh, there's been there was no talk of really going anywhere else yet because it, it was so early in the process. Uh, UCF got shut out well before the final votes. Uh, once Boston College made the move, that was it. I mean, it was game over at this point. Uh, so, you know, they 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 got their their. Why was for- why was Boston College the the key to that? Well, because originally it was only two schools moving so you right. replace you replace the you you had the 18 conference and you replace them with louisville and cincinnati they were locks mm-hmm. and uh then you looked at the ninth school which would be great for scheduling you know with a football only 
that solves your football scheduling issues. You don't, you can have the eight conference games. Big East, remember, only had seven conference games at the time. So when Boston College left, now you need a third, you know, a third all sport member to balance the leagues again, you know, because as you know, the Big East was a hybrid. That's right. And half, that's right. You know, one side, half the other, you know, from a football, non football standpoint, you had to keep it balanced. And losing Boston College threw that balance off. That's when USF was able to be in because UCF's facilities were so bad. I mean, as we know, the old arena, and we all have experience with it, was nothing more than a glorified high school gymnasium. And I wrote in the article, you can legitimately yell from one side to the other and be heard perfectly clear. We've all done it. You and I may have done that at one point, Drew. Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) We've all done it. I I remember uh, Kyle and Weasel went on the other side to do something, and I'm yelling back and forth with him. (laughs) Uh, But that's... (laughs) That's not Division One caliber. I mean, that arena wasn't even Division One caliber when it was built. I mean, it was it was a joke. It was an absolute joke, and and no respectable conference like the Big East or any of them were ever going to take UCF for facilities like that. So uh, it took an investment. It took a it took a vision. You know, Steve Orsini had a great vision on on building this stuff up, and got to give him a lot of credit of getting this thing rolling. Uh, you know, the football side, George O'Leary played a major role in getting the stadium going mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and we're, we're reaping the benefits of it. You know, you know, hindsight's 2020. Don't forget the arena convocation center. You know, that was, that was big. Yeah. Oh, it was all, you know, the athletic village, all that, you know, it was all intertwined. It was all part of this, of, of a similar package of stuff. And, and, you know, without those, you know, those guys with vision, uh, you know, we won't be enjoying this now. You know, people, I remember there was a hot discussion about, you know, George O'Leary and stuff, but, you know, we have to remember no George O'Leary, no, no stadium that pretty cut and dry there. I mean, he was a driving force and that, and that redefined not only football, that refined athletics altogether. The whole campus, it it really, it it redefined the whole campus. Yeah. And and I will say, you know, that's, you know, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about my, you know, my complicated relationship to the George O'Leary era. Um, it will always be complicated. Actually, it will always be complicated. But the thing, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that he's the only person who could have made that happen. If somebody else was, you know, was a visionary, they probably could have made, they, they, they would have been the captain of that, of that ship as well. But he was there. He helped make the push. He deserves credit for it. He does. And not only that, but it also redefined UCF's uh, academics on an athletic level. True. Uh, he was the guy who pushed students, student athlete, and the other sports followed. I mean, mm-hmm. football was starting to set a pace with all these. Absolutely with, right. With all these uh, team averages over three, which in football is, you know, very, very unusual. Usually it's much lower, um, but you're, you're seeing this. And then the other sports start picking up their, you know, their numbers. If you remember, uh, they were talking about it when UCF went to the first Fiesta Bowl, uh, the 2014 Fiesta Bowl. They talked about um, the APR at the time, and UCF had the highest APR of the teams in the BCS Bowls. I mean, and yeah, you're talking about right. big schools. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it, it all kind of builds up one on another. And, you know, to, to bring it back to the whole thing with, with South Florida, you know, that buildup didn't necessarily have to do with South Florida. You know, UCF played them four times. 
Um, the first time they played them was in 2005. The stadium was already coming. Uh, you know, it was already in the works. So uh, it, it wasn't so much, you know, USF that helped spur it. It was the fact that UCF was told that they would have to be somewhere else when they renovated the Citrus Bowl. That didn't happen for another decade. Uh, but, you know, UCF was okay in, in the Mac and Conference USA. Uh, they had very strong rivalry with with Marshall. We, you know, a lot of people, uh, and, and it's not meant to be a dig, but a lot a lot of people weren't there in those games in Huntington, West Virginia. I was, <laughs> and I I've been to a number of places, and I remember it was uh, Kyle and I were both in the UCF marching band. Far places year. such as Huntington, West Virginia. Well, we were both Holy in the gold, band. Jeff. <laughs> we were both in the band in 2002, and you remember they hammed the living daylights out of that matchup. Uh, the Huntington. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Remember the intro with Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss. Oh yeah, I, put, I, I, I found the game. I, I put it yeah. on online last year. Uh, but the the fans were so full of hostility. They were. No, they were afraid that there was going to be violence. Uh, they had to have all when we were walking on the field. Seems hilarious. They had back all on. the female members of the band on the inside towards the field, and all the males on the outside, just in case, because they were like, "These guys are absolute animals. We don't know, we don't know what they're going to do, and we're afraid of what they're going to do." Now, granted, they didn't do anything to us. There was other incidents to, uh, elsewhere in the stadium. They didn't do anything to us, but. Uh, the only other time in my life and, and the experiences that I've dealt with that I've ever seen that had to be done with a marching band was with my sister who was in Alabama, went to Tennessee. I mean, <laughs> and they had to have extra security. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, I never, you know, I was in the, I was, it was my last year in the band when we went to uh, play USF in 2005 and there was a lot of buzz in the game because it was the first game ever, but never once did I after, did I ever feel that kind of hostility that I felt at Marshall in 2002. No, oh, I mean, at Raymond James, there's so much more empty space too. So, you know, well, you there could... was a good turnout that game. I think it was like 50,000 people that, that, that first one, I mean, yeah, it was. Right. Compared to Marshall's uh, uh, stadium, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, Joan Edwards is a, a little more intimate. Correct. <laughs> and and <laughs> you know, it was astroturf. It was this very thin, maybe inch layer of carpet on top of concrete. It yeah, was it was awful. a carpet. It was a carpet. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, but I, you know, I it, the the thing is about USF is it's not a manufactured rivalry like the Marshall thing was. It's not a manufactured rivalry like UConn was. It was it, it, yeah. Was USF the only factor in driving UCF toward the heights that it's now achieved? No, but you better believe it was a big factor because well, I mean, never was because I think our fan base and our administration and our donors looked at them and said. They're eating, they're eating our lunch. We got to, you know, we're just as good an athletic program as they can be. We just deserve the chance. And yeah. go I, ahead, I agree with that. You, or, got, uh, you got to also consider like this. The, the reason why USF is also the factor it is, I think Drew alluded to it, but I'm going to put it on a bigger scale. This is this is the two the two schools fighting to be the fourth in the state, right? Because they're the other at the time, at least we're talking this early two thousands, late nineties. Remember, remember when South Florida beat Florida State in Tallahassee 
and they came out with the billboard that says, welcome to the big four. Yeah. How'd that work out? <laughs> yeah. How'd that work out? Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's the whole, that's the whole uh, concept there too, is you got these two entities that are biting at a trough that are, that is already uh, rather competitive. And, and you guys have both made plenty of colorful points as to um, how you say they're, they're, what's his word? Intentionally keeping down of the Knights program and going far enough back. It would have been correct to call it the golden Knights program even, but I digress. The punchline is this. And I, here's the best thing I like about your approach, Jeff. And I'll just say it out loud. I know you're here for the petty and everybody's trying to do uh, from, from, from Star Trek it. and doing the, you know, <laughs> Uh, they're talking to uh, Captain Kirk about the Klingons in Star Trek Six. Jim, they could die. Let them die, right? You know that whole thing. <laughs> but you're going a lot more Game of Thrones on it. And I want to throw this conspiracy concept to you. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying all the all, all the uh, stars are all aligned as we're oh, talking. Where's, about. where's this going? All right. But and and the, a bit of my personal experience. The only article I wrote where I got uh, so far. About UCF, where I got the vitriol you did, and, and uh, Drew can witness this, because at the time, I believe we were co-writers at the same site. I wrote the concept about, hey, if this stuff keeps going on, I believe this was shortly after the 2018 Memphis win, you know, where Mackenzie Milton went inverted to score a touchdown uh, running the football. The regular season game. Correct. Very good. Right. Okay. The one-point victory, if you will. Yeah. Um. There's, it's so hard to keep track of them with how many times poor Mike Norris. Yeah, I call it the Taj McGowan game, but anyway, go ahead. That's also completely fair, my good friend. Um, yeah. the, it was actually a very sloppy game. It, Whatever. It, let, let, let Kyle finish his point. A true statement, nonetheless. But yeah, so after that game, I wrote a piece about, hey, with all that's going on with Memphis and, and you know, all that happened in the past year, and it's looking like they're going to battle again for the conference championship as they did eventually in 2018, mm -hmm. the 2018 season, I should say. I wrote an article hinting that maybe one day Memphis could possibly maybe be a rival. And here's why I think so. Oh, boy, did they let loose. What are you <laughs> thinking? That could never be a rivalry. Durka, durka, All this other stuff. Oh yeah, well, let's not up. let's not forget at the time, Kyle. What Memphis had or UCF had beaten Memphis, what thirteen Eventually, times in a row? Thirteen. When I had pinned that article, I think it was only eleven. Relax. <laughs> it was still a lot, you know. Correct. And recently, of course, recently got broken. But anyway, and to say and to say it, uh, uh, something you have said, I mentioned that in the article. So yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, from the standpoint of 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 the history that's being built here. And when they do eventually get that win, I didn't think it would take as long as it did granted, but what do I know? Um, the whole concept being that this sets the table for a very excellent rivalry that could uh, spawn and, you know, USF will forever and all this. Yeah. Talking about all this, the situation for one, and, and I'm going to uh, you'll you'll answer this too. the the main reason I'm doing this, because I want you to answer two questions and one of them will be posed here. For one, I don't know about USF's solvency fiscally. You, you say you're going to get their crap together. Um, you're going to cover some of that soon. I, I, I surely hope. But what if when the vote comes along? And assuming USF does what anybody claims, 
or, 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 or what you're claiming here is possible that they somehow come to health to truly be power five worthy. Let's say all that happens, regardless about how any of us feel. And they, it, they built they build the IPF. They build the on campus stadium. They yeah. OK, go ahead. They win a game or two <laughs> better than what they've done or three um, compete in the American. Go ahead. Uh, right. Um, nationally ranked all that. And there's a situation where you could get USF or Memphis. Should USF or UCF vote for Memphis to bring them in and stave off USF that way? Does it get any more petty and delicious than that? That's my question. Oh, does it get any petty? No, it does not get any more petty than that. Now, if I'm if I if they're the one who hand me the card and say write Memphis or write USF, which one we go for? You know, what I'm taking I'm taking USF. Yeah, I, I knew you would. As I take the, the best program. Well, right. And, and, and again, well, let, let's but no, but, but Kyle makes a good point, which is all things being equal. Which right now we we freely acknowledge they're not. Well, all yeah, things I, being equal, and they're never going to be equal, though. There's there's always going to be balance, you know, differences. But and there's well, I mean, well, if if well, wait, if Memphis, you know, renovates the Liberty Bowl, which is incredible plans. Let's see if they come to fruition. If South Florida builds their on campus stadium. You know, I think that's, you know, that's that's pretty neck and neck. If South Florida, well, I shouldn't say that. Memphis still has the upper hand because of men's basketball. Well, and that's fine. But that's not just football. Yeah. Football, yeah, drives the gravy But it kind of is. more than that, though. It kind of is because if it wasn't, our case for the Big 12 would be weaker than it is or than it was when we well, finally got the invite. I mean, because the Big 12 is not inviting us. The the Big 12 is not inviting us because of how great our basketball program is. As much as I love UCF basketball, geography matters too. Uh, That's why that's why USF got got the invite in 2003. They had geography. Uh, They they basically failed into it because they didn't. Well, they also also had it. They also had a. They also had number one a better arena in the. Oh yeah, they had facilities. And and, and number two. And number two. you know, even though UCF and USF were both playing off campus, South Florida's off campus stadium was better. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had Raymond James Stadium. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, was- thank, thank you for setting the table, Drew. We've been over the history and how much they're getting fleeced in rent to go to Ray J to play to a stadium of which they cannot even fill the lower bowl by any stretch of the imagination. No. So- and we know from our own experience, Kyle, that. Switching to on campus is a game changer. I mean, yeah. you and I, we have experience being on the field with 10,000 fans in the stands of a giant cavern of a stadium. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in more than one, in more than one instance, but it's here's, 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 here's the question that I have. You, you've seen where I think you and a lot of people differ is you seem very secure in the prospect of future USF fiscal solvency. Can you bring me there? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking, they're talking you're about building the 200. You got mistaken for Eric Lopez. Now you want the other host? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're talking about building a $200 million stadium. This would have worked 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when they were enjoying uh, a $10 million payout annually by the Big East versus uh, what they barely gotten just under eight this year for UCF. And USF was actually like 7.6, 7.7 million, if I'm, if I'm correct. Jeff, it was a little bit lower. Uh, just because of, of 
you know, whatever the skew of, yeah. of winning, but either way, uh, they have less money coming in and, you know, the prospects are a lot lower, you know, they're not playing Louisville and Cincinnati and those guys, they're, they're not getting the home and homes against Miami anymore. Uh, it's being viewed differently. Uh, they're being viewed as a second-class citizen, just like the rest of the G5. They're, they're getting two-in-ones now with, you know, the Floridas and the Alabamas of the world uh, as a way of, of, you know, trying to, to get people in. Because right now, the, as you said, Kyle, uh, they, they got to pay rent. They only get money on the gate. That's why they got to get the two-in-ones with Alabama so they can get that, you know, or, and get that home game with Florida so they can get that huge gate. Uh, UCF actually doesn't benefit as well because they don't have the extra seats to fill. I mean, you look at UCF's, you know, turnout, uh, it's usually 39,000 and up and and it it fluctuates. It fluctuates a bit, you know, as expected, because you have visiting seats and whatnot. Um, But it's usually in the 39s all the way up to the, to the max at 40 in the 44s and on very rare occasions, a little bit higher. So the needs of the two schools are different. Uh, you know, USF's plan, it just, it was just mentioned, um, uh, written in the Tampa Tribune, 35,000 seats is what's looking to be built, um, possibility of expansion beyond that. I mean, you know, times and situations have changed, costs are higher, there, there's less you can do, but as we all know, getting on campus is that first step to redefining a program. I, I think that it comes down to this. And thank you. It for depends. The question that was posed to you in the first place, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you. I I, th- I think that the it all comes down from UCF's perspective, how you perceive South Florida's future right now. If you perceive it as flat or going down, there's absolutely no reason to to think that they would be that, that it, it would be worth discussing them anymore. Right now I caution that I think that's dangerous because they're not going to suck forever. Okay. Um, and there's a, a level of complacency, like you talked about drew that I, that as a fan, I just feel really uncomfortable with because I remember when we were kind of in that position. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, there are a select few of us and shout out to the, Shout out to the uh, to to that select few who dropped into my mentions and said, "Actually, we agree." Um, that who view this as a potential spark underneath USF's behind to say, "Hey, we got to get our stuff together." And you know what? That means going all in on the on-campus stadium. Then let's go. Let's do it. Let's gather the funds. Let's build it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's very much going to happen. But you know something couple was it last year there were no plans to do it and they kept talking about how we don't plan to do it and their ad was out there with a massive campaign stating why it's great to play at ray j usf right you're playing in an nfl stadium what a sales pitch that turned out to be huh fantastic job my how the tables have turned all of a sudden with ucf getting their big 12 invite now all of a sudden it's we need an on-campus stadium right now Right. So, you know, do you give them the benefit of the doubt or not? I, you know, I, I think that a lot of UCF fans motivations are that there's motivated reasoning happening there. Sure. And I get it. I totally get it, man. 
if I pettiness, I got this. No, yeah. it, it comes down so, to this. It needs to be earned, the, the, especially yeah. from the older fans who got were there it. in 2003 and know that UCF or um, USF failed up into the Big East. They didn't actually earn anything. They they were in the right place at the right time with the right situation. Um, it wasn't. Earned. I think it's They're a little. Resume, I think it's a little harsh to say failed up. They, they failed up. I mean, at the very you, least, you had a good independent season in 2002 the, and, the and big, that was it the, the, the big east uh, the big east bought low hoping they could sell high i think that's that's what happened and the right. stock did not appreciate to the extent that they were thinking give drew this, right. the right place right time to what ucf did at the very least right i mean i think that's what he's getting at yeah okay. and, and, and they have it, it needs to be earned you know you ucf's built the resume you know they they've earned what they got you, you, you know just because you, you want the rivalry in the football series because you're going to be playing in every other sport is not a reason to bring them into the conference. You need to bring them, if they earn their way, if they build the stadium, they build the resume, they win some conference championships, they do something because they've done nothing in their history from that standpoint. Uh, then you can welcome the conversation of, are they worthy of a spot? At this point, the answer is a very hard no. You're right it's, about that. It's because here's the key. At this juncture, UCF does not need South Florida in football. They don't. It's a want. They fans want it. They like it, but they don't need it. UCF survived without it for many years and did okay. And they'll do okay going forward. They have other, you know, they got some some other things to worry about with the new conference and, and building themselves up there because it's, uh, you know, let's be honest, it there's going to be some growing pains going into this conference. It, it's going to yes. happen. You know, <laughs> you know, let's not delude ourselves. So I, that that's where my take. If is not in football, then certainly in some other sports, I think oh, you're yeah. right about that. South Florida for football is a is a want. It's not a need. U.S. Uh, UCF does not need south florida at this point good kyle so as as the as the mediator between this hated hated twitter situation this catastrophe this conflict this point counterpoint that you gentlemen have created here you're such a hyper you're such a hyperbolist guy i am the harbinger of the hyperbole at least give me some damn alliteration jeff i thought you were a professional i hate alliteration and i wish it would die that's the joke. No, um, but here, listen, all the silliness that you've come to know and love from me aside. And I say this with all the respect as the guy who got me, you know, in here at the back, black and gold, all you guys bringing me in and all of that. This is, there's a reason why I went with Worf with the, if you were any other man, I would kill you when you stand, when you first got this opinion. Okay. <laughs> However, Here's the thing I, uh, generally speaking, of course, I, I agree with uh, Drew, but darn it, as much as I am on the what are you thinking train, what I love about your plan, Jeff, is you plan for success. Even if it involves the success of somebody else who people may not necessarily want to see it happen. Should USF pull off all this brilliance and, and prove me and Drew and all the other people wrong and, and, and get to the heights that are thoroughly possible and get themselves in a situation where they can climb back in. UCF, 
from a fiscal standpoint, is absolutely foolish to not vote as part of the committee that may have a vote to let them in. I'm not saying throw them a lifeline. And I don't think you really are either. You're saying, listen, if they do their due diligence and they can come back in and bring be the one thing they're good for, revenue, then darn it, bring them back in. Because at the end of the day, that's what's running this train in this constantly changing landscape of college sport. Point. Yeah, it would be a, it would be a good a good business decision. Absolutely. Well, and again, be a good business decision for the state of Florida. It would be a good business now. decision for UCF and the gate. It would be a good business decision, by the way, in terms of travel, not just for UCF, but also for the rest of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I but mean, in the end, it's all it's all a guessing game. Uh, you know, you, you can it's, play it's all it's all the thing, it's all the reasons why we should have gotten into Conference USA, at least alongside them, if not instead of them. And you wrote and a story. Their about administration a did the wrong thing. And you wrote a whole what if about that, which kind of got all grandiose. But I mean, but, point I mean, here, here's the thing. Drew, didn't you hear? Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. You know, you know, if I win the lottery, I'll get money. But I mean, you 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 can't project like that. You you need. Sure, I don't know your gambling debts. I mean, hey, it's all uh, to have no, actually, with money. It's all. Why are you? Big, why are you? Why are you back in Cleveland again? <laughs> Or a lone shark. No. Uh, <laughs> Is it guy? Now, I, I, sounds like you need a I was never big, was like never big gambler. Guardian. Nice jersey closet you got there, Drew. Be ashamed if something happened to it. Oh, no, that's awful. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look at him. He's like, man, I want to take some of those for myself. That's terrible. It'd be, it'd be such a shame if they're the spark of life is taken away from you <laughs> in a blaze of glory. <laughs> All right. I, I got, I got, I got, well, go ahead and finish your point. And then I got one last question. We're going to wrap it. Okay. Okay. So, so I mean, basically on, on your side, it's, it's about uh, guessing the market, you know, what's going to happen to this future investment. So, you know, you, you sure. That sounds great on paper, but you know, in the end you need, results if you don't have results these conversations don't matter so you know we can go all pie in the sky oh this happens this happens this happens no no no. let the let things start to fall as eric lopez says let let things play out yeah let it play out then you come and start having a conversation there's oh let's you know you know because you don't want to create an expectation of what a school can need to do and need to do because you're only going to set yourself up for disappointment. We've seen it uh, after UCF. Are we, are we kind of already doing that with, 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 uh, aren't they already doing that with their on-campus stadium now? They're looking at us and being like, actually, that's a good idea. Well, I mean, it only took them how many years to realize that, you know, maybe they're on to something. Um, but again, tangible results. The resume has been built. They've seen what it can do for them. It just, and, and, you know, the conference invite was the final straw. That was what, what just broke them. Uh, I mean, I, that, that fan base broke like a twig. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I think de- desperation is the mother of motivation. That's... Correct. It really is. Uh, but so, so my always view is, you know, you don't block them. You know, don't stoop to the level that Juni Genchap did with UCF and has been proven by, uh, backed up by multiple writers who are unaffiliated with each other all said the same thing. Yeah. 
he was the problem. So uh, you don't block them. However, you don't have to advocate for them. You know, you if if next year they decide, you know what, everyone's growing to 14, we're going to go to 14, you know, next year. Right. You're not going to go to bat and say, oh, well, USF's a great option, Look, you know, because, oh, we, we have a rivalry game. No, you, you, you have to look on what's actually there. You, so when the time comes, if they've got the resume and they're the best candidate, then you, you let it ride. Or but one of the two not, or four best candidates. Yeah. yeah. But if they're not, which they're currently not, uh, I'll, I'll go on that. There, there are schools that are better candidates at this point. Yeah, I can't deny that. Uh, you don't push for them. You don't right. advocate for them because it is not about what's best for UCF. It is what's best for the big 12. Right. That's what it needs to come down to. Last and question then, before we, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's, and that's why, you know, I, I take the stance that, well, you know, UCF's moving on to greener pastures. If USF brings their, their, their quality up. Okay. You know, they've got, you know, the rest of the decade to work on it. Yeah. Um, last question. And then we're going to move on from this. Um, looking forward at the big 12, 2023, who comes the closest right now to producing that, that, uh, as, as I mentioned in the column, what Ernie Grunfeld called the juice, who brings the juice to the building? Is it Houston? Is it Cincinnati? Could it be someone else like West Virginia? We played them before. Is, is it anyone? Um, you know, on the surface in the short term, people are going to say Cincinnati because of these hard fought football games. I actually think Houston is a better all around package. Agreed. Uh, I, aside- I agree. I agree with that. And, and by the way, it's like, and, and the gauge that I use is say we're good and they stink, which team is going to still draw people like South Florida still draws people when they, when they were terrible and they raised their game like Cincinnati. I still think back to that game that, we played up in Cincinnati where Cincinnati stunk during our undefeated year where I think 500 people were in the stands. We scored 53 points in three quarters. And it was so bad that Cincinnati was like, when the rains came, Cincinnati was like, we've had enough. Yeah. They called the game after three quarters. They called the game. I have, after that, I have that game, by the way. <laughs> uh, I've always been a proponent of Houston. Uh, aside from, you know, just being on the other side of the, of, of the Gulf, uh, there, there are similarities to the schools, both, you know, you know, obviously the metropolitan aspect, the space aspect. Heavy ties um, to the space program. That's right. You know, there's, there's similarities there. Uh, and, and the Powder fact blue. that- Powder blue. No, wait. Sorry. People That's forget not- 2005, uh, 2013, 2014. Uh, there were some really outstanding football games between 2009 our, our first 2009, 2009 the first team uh, the first time we ever beat a ranked opponent was houston was it was keenum. houston it was case keenum and the houston cougars that's right that was yeah that? I was, that was homecoming at, at at uh at the then bright house network stadium uh yes. so you know cincinnati's kind of a kind of more of a johnny come lately because i mean ucf's been playing houston since they joined uh since ucf joined conference usa in 2005 there's a little more history there uh you know and then there was the the college game day basketball in houston when houston was a top 10 team and yep. ucf upset them on national television i forgot um yeah you know there that's there's, a good one there's there's stuff there uh, and I think it, it, a little bit of cultivation and people, 
are are, are kind of hooked on uh, Cincinnati just because Cincinnati's been the hot thing, but they weren't always the hot thing. And and I think Houston can be the all round package of of it. They just have to you just you just have to cultivate it naturally. You just let it all to, let it ride. All time series UCF seven Houston three. And so, some of those games were that. really close. Some of those games were tight. Well. Uh, 31, 29 and 05, uh, five point game in 09, seven point game in 10, five point game in 13, five point game in 14, uh, seven point point game in 16. Remember the, remember the uh, Brandon Alexander game? Yeah. And well, that you had knocked the the ball out of Greg, Greg, uh, Ward's hand at the one yard line. 2014 it it got hit the one yard line went out the end zone touchback UCF wins there was the deflection on the pass on fourth down in 2013 that allowed the the miracle season season right saved the season uh and and allowed that that BCS bowl game to happen I mean that game right down the wire and that 2005 game uh I'm trying to remember who who the coach was I think it was Art Riles at the time it was Art Riles yeah that's right and commented on how good a crowd and how good of an atmosphere UCF brought because the game was in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl, and that helped make a difference in that game. Because you know, 2005, this was when UCF made the big turnaround from 0 and 11 to 8 and 5, winning the. That was when we beat Kevin Cobb. Remember Kevin Cobb? Yeah, beat yeah. you know won the CUSA East, uh, you know, and and went to their first ever bowl game, you know. You lose against Houston, you may not. I don't. I don't think you win CUSA East at that point, and and that season kind of loses its special meaning at that point. So I mean, there there's been some really epic games, close games against Houston, Cincinnati. You have, you know, you have the the, the blowout. You have the game day game. You have the close. That's loss, about it. <laughs> and that and that and that's really about it. Yeah, that's there, true. There's not All much. Right. I don't know. I, I just, my last word on this is, you know, I, I get the vitriol and, uh, and the pettiness and I, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, uh, 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 what's his name in the, in the new star Wars in the, in the, in that one star Wars movie, the more late, more like more, more, <laughs> you know, um, says how much I know about star Wars, but, um, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, and, and I, and I, I put up a thread earlier. I was, you know, I grew up, the first college football game I ever watched was 91 Florida state, Miami, the first wide right game. The day I fell in love with college football was the same two teams a year later in the orange bowl. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, you, you could feel through the television, just the, the intensity of that game. And for me as a fan, as someone who's been a fan of UCF since I came here, um, you know, that there's just nobody else who can replicate that. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I hope that eventually we do find that with someone. I just, the jury's out. And until that happens, that's, that's the, you know, that, that for me is the, that's our, that's our holy war. That's our, uh, you know, that's our, that's our, that's our trophy game. That's our marquee game. That's the game where, where it's like, if we lose this game, the whole season is a failure. And well, I, I don't I don't even think they the Holy War views that anymore because you know Utah still goes to the Rose Bowl if they win either, the conference. Either way. Either way. I I, I just you know I, I'm I'm going it, to I'm going like, to miss that 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 feeling. 
You and many, my brother. Hey, listen, whether you're donning a red lightsaber like Kylo Ren or not, by the way, you, you got a haircut too recent for that conversation. But yeah, I, I, I think none of us want to see the game go away, you know, but uh, I mean, hey, listen, it could be another 10 years when that hair of yours is looking a bit more gray, more white, even depending on how many years go by. And you're like, boy, I'm sure glad. There you go. I'm sure glad you got those bulls because this dang space hey, game. I, I'm just waiting for all, all I know, people, all I know, UCF Twitter mafia is this. <laughs> After our first few years in the Big 12, all right, someone somewhere is going to come out and say, Man, we've had some great games in the Big 12, but I don't know. There's just something missing from some of these teams. There's some intensity missing. I don't know who it was. It's not like it was when we played USF. <laughs> that could happen too, man. I won't, I won't doubt that. And you know what? When that one of you is going to do it, and when you do, I'm going to smash that retweet button. No, but he's gonna so do so hard. He's gonna be there waiting. And, and he's going to wait in faded breath. He is going to sit in that chair and wait until <laughs> that moment comes. What, one, guy, one, guy said, one guy said, he replied to me, he's like, Cincinnati's just fine. And I'm like, dude, just fine is not good enough for a rival game. I'll agree Cincinnati's with too I'm new. not looking That's for just thing. fine. Cincinnati's I'm, too I'm new. I'm to see how they'll do without their quarterback, all their top defensive players, yeah. and yeah. all of that. By the way, if, uh, okay, here's my real last question. I know, Andrew, you, I know you got to go. If it's not Cincinnati or Houston, one of the two new kids on the block who we have history with, who could it be? Now, who do you want to answer this question first? You. Kyle answered right. the first one. I'll let you go. I'm going to go with West Virginia. Uh, West I, I Virgi- knew you were going to say West Virginia. Well, there's there's a reason why. There's uh, a side fact. We played him before. Top- we played them before. I, someone did, I did one of those top five ask me anything things. Someone asked me the question, and I put West Virginia over BYU. It actually was a toss-up between the two. Um, West Virginia, there's one, it's eastern proximity. You know, it's, it's a little closer. Uh, we know from our experiences dealing with Marshall, uh, fans from the state of West Virginia are extremely passionate. And that and passion, uh, you know. You know <laughs> Lord knows there's nothing else to do up there. Thing. You know, uh, so UCF fans, extremely passionate. You put these two forces together and sparks fly and, and love is in the air and, <laughs> and things happen. That's not the cliche I was looking for there, but okay. <laughs> Let's run but, with it. <laughs> but the, the truth is, you know, I, I think that by having such a fiery fan base in Morgantown, you add it with a very fiery fan base from in Orlando and they're fiery for different reasons. Um, but they still have a strong passion and, and a view of don't tread on, on basically don't tread on me and my territory. Um, you know, don't what insult Virginia. my national, don't, yeah. don't insult my national championship or else there'll be hell to pay. We've seen it time and time again. Um, you know, with on Twitter, uh, West Virginia, very territorial uh, of their of their fandom. So you put those two together and it can, you know, if you play them year in, year out and then multiple sports and you if you can put together good matchups, uh, that hate will grow fast. Uh, West Virginia, hate- by the way, we played them twice in the past. They've won them both, but it was back in 04 and 05. 
So yeah, I mean UCF wasn't at the same level. It's uh, not even close. Um, you know, so I, I think there's potential. I should there. say oh three and oh four. Sorry, I was wrong. Oh three and oh four. I'm sorry. Carry on. And oh three and oh four are two of the worst years in, in UCF football history. Uh, so I mean, uh, they, they neither were good. So I mean, UCF was obviously a very different program back then. They were pretty much a an FBS bottom feeder. Uh, so I, I think you 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 give them opportunity. Let the games play. Let things happen. Uh, you can you can stoke those flames and and you can you can develop a good amount of hate there. Um, you know, we see we see it with Cincinnati, um, but Cincinnati's like their they, their fan base. I, I don't think is quite as fiery as is uh, you know West Virginia. I mean, after all, they burn couches in Morgantown. Kyle, I'll let you have the last word on this one since you you were you were a good sport. You played the referee. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Well, I, I more think of myself like Sid Justice in the 90s as a special guest referee when Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan took on Sergeant Slaughter. And, and uh, that- I, I I prefer uh, Mills Lane and Celebrity Deathmatch, but carry on. Let's get it on. I will take, I'll allow it. Anyways, um, for those Celebrity Deathmatch fans, you better get that reference. Anyways, I love that show. Um, you know, West Virginia is an interesting choice. I would have said a boring one, but it's an interesting choice. Um, you are right about the passions of the fan base, and it gives you literally nothing else, in my opinion. Let's get a little bit more off the field story here a bit, shall we? For one, I could go Baylor off the bat if they weren't already in whatever kind of mess they are because of the, uh, uh, you say, <clears throat> less than savory things that occurred in their program. <clears throat> so, um simply the fact that they they would have to stare at all the tributes to Blake Bortles in that win and all of that would be in their crawl while UCF would glorify that matchup and it being renewed that has an opportunity to turn into rivalry and oh by the way there's something special to be said to go into another state that is much football Valhalla just as much as Florida and see that battle ensue and and again Drew the point you make about the West Virginia fan base is absolutely great but can we bake it a bit more of a football spectacle that's why um, I would put Bailey there too. My instinct was to say Oklahoma State, a just to rile, just to rile Jeff because of his love of, or rather lack thereof, of Mike Gundy and the world's greatest mullet. But yeah, he hates I, Baylor more. Yeah, I, I mean, be that as it may. Um, and and the other one that 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 slightly intrigues me. Um, I get the BYU old versus new thing, but I'm not feeling that as much. I'm a little curious about how Texas Tech would go. I think that's... I, I thought mean, Texas Tech, too. Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like they're like the furthest of the it's furthest. A, it's a There's big public school with a, with a technological background. It's... Hold it, hold it. The dude that just said West Virginia is going to talk trash about it being in the middle of nowhere. You're relieved. Anyways... So um, either one of the Texas schools, actually, I guess since I'm advocating Houston, first and foremost, any of those Texas schools do it for me. As far as that, also as a consolation, I could get the new kids um, up and coming programs uh, with Northern Iowa, but the location and literally being out in the middle of nowhere isn't really appealing to me. But I mean, there's kind of a story there. I I I don't know. Um, For me, it would be Baylor ahead of everything else if it's not Houston. I've got another one to, to think about, and it would be TCU, um, because they also went from the have-nots to the haves. That's a great point, Drew. Uh, so it's a question of who can do it better 
and quicker. Uh, and I mean, that, that's kind of like a dark horse one. I mean, it's, you know, obviously you can find a story in any school. Uh, you really can, you you can manufacture something you can, you, you take, I mean, you know, a good rivalry. You, you, there's something there that has to be cultivated. You want to know how, you want to know how many times UCF has played TCU? Zero. Zero. Zero times. Hey, uh, but that also fun. fits Texas Tech. That, That's that true. Oklahoma State. That fits Iowa State, Kansas, but not Kansas State. They played once. Um, hey, I led with Baylor. That's uh, that's all I'm saying. And they've only played Baylor once. That's so right. you know, there's a there's a lot of there's and, opportunity. And what a here. time it was, Drew. <laughs> it was, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I think it comes down to the fact that they play all these schools so little. There's opportunity, uh, and it's going to take time. You know, it's, it, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's not like, you know, UCF played East Carolina in 1992 and broke the leg of their star quarterback, and they harbored this anger ever since. Correct. And then they, and then they joined uh, the conference, you know, Conference USA 2005 to get and played played again. Uh, it's not like that. There, there's really not much there. You know, yeah, UCF and Baylor played, and UCF won, and of course, you know, Baylor wished they won, but I mean. It, there, there's not the same type of it's not like you broke the leg of the star quarterback and derailed the season uh it's it's a different story so i mean it's going to take time yeah. could it get there sure but we have to be patient I agree. Yeah. Hey, but one, that's that's a long memory going back to marcus crandall wow one final thing gentlemen the irony in that we're talking about rivalry <clears throat> and you two disagreeing with your point counterpoint and all this the three of us seem to very clearly agree on houston and its potential to be a fertile ground for a rivalry here in the Big 12. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think, I think all yeah. the stars are aligned. The fans just have to realize it. I want, I want a, a trophy game with Houston, and the trophy should be like a Saturn V rocket. Hell yeah. She, she okay. wants the war on I-4. Forget everything else. I want – yeah, I, I, let's, let's, <laughs> we had the – we had the road sign, which I love, by the way. I'm I, saying, I, well, remember, we joked for the longest time it I, should be a Bob's barricade. So, I mean, they weren't that far off. <laughs> a giant side. Listen, I, I, I want to see, I, I, I want to see John Rice Plumley or whoever run across the sideline. And when, when the clock hits zero, grab a six foot long Saturn V rocket and start running it around the stadium. Like you know, like flying it around, making airplane noises and stuff. I want to, I, I want to see that. That would be fantastic. It would be so what could much possibly fun. go wrong? It would be so much fun. I get it. All right, I okay. The Warren I four hits a lot more than the tussle on ten. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's about space superiority, the, the man. Star, the Star War. Oh, geez. Lawsuit. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? No, it's about it's it's the it's in Orlando. Disney owns it. Get them in here. It's the space superiority showdown. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the Star Wars. All right. Um. Anyway, check out both of our columns on Black and Gold Banneret. Uh. Keep keep the hatred coming on Twitter. It only fuels me. Um. God, you sound like me. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. I've, I've, learned, my eyes. I've, I've learned 
over time, I, I just, you know, it just, it, it's, you know, it's, I have effect, I have effect on let people. the hate I, flow I, through you, you know, you know, <laughs> love or hate, man, you're going to, you're going to remember there, you know, it's, we're like, it's do or do not, there is no try, you know, you're either going to love it or hate it. And you know, there is, so, we, we, we embrace the sit here. It is black and white. Let's, or in this let's, case, black let's enjoy this. Gold. Let's let's enjoy it, and and I'll tell you, you know, our chance to take a two game lead in the all time football series this uh, this year, this year you can go out, you can go out on top. But man, if something goes wrong in that game, oh my god, that you might have bigger fish. You have bigger things to worry about if something goes wrong. <laughs> it's out, out in, yeah, true. The way it's looking for that. Anyway, uh, black and gold banner is where you want to go. All right. Uh, Drew, thanks again. And uh, Kyle, thanks again. You guys are heading out. Appreciate you guys. Stat Boy Drew on Twitter and also the SOTG for the student of the game. Bryson Turner is going to join me next to talk about UCF and the track and field NCAA championships and wrap up the show, guys. It's been a great two segments. We could talk, we can go on like, I don't know, this kind of stuff for three hours. I love it. I, I can't get enough of it. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just, man, what a fun time to be a UCF fan. You know, it's Jack Kylo Ren. Give him more. Yeah. More. We're back after this. It's the black and gold banner at podcast. Welcome back to the black and gold banner at podcast. Jeff Sharon back with you here and joining me now, Bryson Turner, who has been following a UCF track and field and basically the final event, final UCF sporting event of the 2021, 2022 season before we head into the uh, summer and we get ready for, Football, soccer, and volleyball in the next, uh, well, let's see, six, seven, eight, two months from now. So uh, is when camps open up. So uh, let's take a look at what UCF uh, athletes were able to do at the uh, NCAA track and field championships in Eugene, Oregon. Um, the, uh, the highlight for UCF was the 4 by 100 relay team who finished in seventh place, earned All-American honors. Uh, 43.69. Um, obviously always good to get that, you know, to, to reach that achievement. Um, how did you, how did they feel about their performance afterwards? Uh, it, did they feel like they, they maximized what they had or maybe left something on the table? Well, coach Boone actually put it very in, nicely in our interview, in our interview after the fact where she talked about how as long as the team improved and make what she called little bits of history, then she considers it a successful meet. And when you and when you look at the four by one hundred relay team's performance in Eugene, they actually ran the second fastest four by one hundred relay time in program history in their semifinal run with a forty three point two two. Only Faulkner, Scott, Charles, and Freeman ran a faster one in 2013. And when you put all three, all both of their runs from Eugene in, onto onto the list of top ten, uh, top ten all time, this this specific quartet of Renaya Jones, Sierra Holback, Beyonce DeFreyas, and and Asia Wilson have three of the top ten fastest four by 100 relay times in program history so this was a a very very solid week a weekend for the four by 100 relay team and i and considering three of the four 
are going to be coming back, but going to be coming back next year. Uh, Sierra Holback, who we talk, who is the senior that is graduating, who we talked to after the fact as well. You can watch her interview as well as interviews with Brittany Floyd and the full interview with Coach Boone on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel. Speaking of which, I actually have a clip to show you from that Coach Boone interview. I think overall this was a successful meet. Um, you know, as long as we've come in and, and, and improved, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, I rate this as a, as, a, as a very good stepping stone for the future. Um, you know, anytime you put points on the board on the big stage, um, you know, they had to announce us in LA. So that put UCF out there. And, uh, and we were in two finals and we had the most variety of student athletes at the national champion I think that UCF has had. I'm not sure if we've ever had a discus thrower make it to the national championship. I'm not, you know, first time for the heptathlon. Um, and last year, uh, Sheer was the first triple jumper and Renaya was the first, oh, not the first hurdler, I don't think. Oh, well, maybe for outdoors, I think she was. So we continue to make little bits of history because anytime we uh, accomplish something, it, it's new for this program. And so that just helps us build for the future. So that's always the goal is goal is to do something different to make history and that was coach boone in our interview a day uh, two days after the events in eugene oregon and i really liked what she had to say i it, it, um i basically summarized it a little earlier but i quite liked how she really put stuff into context because the ucf track and field program isn't like a florida where they're a juggernaut that can take the team title every year and how Anna Hall, I mean, just practically, you know, just took the heptathlon competition and ran with it. This is one of those things where you, where you want to make little, like she said, little bits of history along the way. Adrian Adams became the first discus thrower to make it to the Eugene. You have Ashira Collins who made it, who's the first ever triple jumper to go to Eugene, make it back for the second time. And then you have Brittany Floyd, who made it, who is the first heptathlete to make it to Eugene for the, for the first time. So it's these little bits of history that are what Coach Boone is after for the track and field program. And that's how you can slowly build this program up until you can potentially get it to something where they can compete for the team title. But right now it's all about individual improvement and individual development. A little bit of a surprise in the 100 hurdles. Of course, Renaya Jones, who uh, you know made the uh, the Olympic trials uh, last year, had such you know and blasted onto the scene. This was her big event uh, in the 100 hurdles. She got to the final, uh, at, but uh, was disqualified. Uh, she was out in lane nine, and you did a pretty good breakdown of what really happened what happened with Renaya? because well first of all what was her what what was her time initially what would she have gotten and then and then what what, what did they what did they get her on because this was kind of this team seemed to me kind of be ticky tack so her initial time was 13.04 seconds which would have put her put her in eighth place uh, and then I the rule that she that that she broke that she broke was rule 15.6-2A which states this the referee after consulting with the appropriate officials such as shall disqualify a competitor who advances or trails a leg or foot outside the hurdle width and below the top horizontal plane or plane extended 
of the hurdle. I got a little interpretation of, of this from one of the rules officials. So, uh, so basically what the idea was is that she ended up having a foot outside the width of the hurdle and it didn't go over where the hurdle would have gone as if you look back at the video clip and i think i think i know where she did it what when i i noticed that after the first hurdle it looked like renaya was shifted a little bit on the right hand side of the lane a little more than she normally is she does favor the right side of her lane and so I think what happened is she got a little further to the right than she wanted to. And because of that, her lead leg ended up getting to the side of the hurdle and it didn't go over the hurdle plane or plane extended, which is the kind of, which is basically just the hurdle, the hurdle plane, but like, you know, extended outwards into empty space. And if you review the, and then when rules officials have viewed the footage, she saw that she didn't clear the hurdle height with her lead leg. Um, basically, the rule, the, the, what the rules official told me is that the, this this thing is this type of violation is actually quite common for the outside lanes of lane nine and one, and usually happens more in the four hundred meter hurdles because of how spaced out. The hurdles are so it's a lot more a lot easier for that to happen but unfortunately it, i think in combination of renaya favoring the right side of her lane and her being on the furthest right lane ended up really biting her unfortunately in this scenario she posted an instagram post talking about it so um and talking about how you know there's some highs and there's some lows so I, I overall, it's still a great season for Renaya. She made it back to the final. I, I think really it's just, it was really unlucky lane placement on her part. And, and I think that as long as she can, again, she still improves, then I think it should be fine. So I think, I, I think it's good. I think she helped. She got to where she got last year. She still has plenty more left. And she said that she had um, a more, of Dana, Coach Boone said it was more of a team focus with her. And so her getting the hardware with her squad and the four by 100 relay, I think she will definitely take that as a successful season on her part. The, I thought that the uh, one of the other big highlights, Brittany Floyd, you mentioned her earlier, but I just want to talk a little bit more about her finishing 16th in the heptathlon. Uh, in some of the individual events, uh, you know, she finished 11th in the 800 ninth in the javelin 14th in the long jump portions of the heptathlon but that's you know to, to see uh a ucf athlete you know compete in a new event uh you know at, at that level um well the event's not new but it's new to see a ucf player in that event uh or to see a ucf athlete in that event is is huge for the program oh yes i completely agree uh i we talked about i talked about with coach boone uh, assistant coach Glenn Smith, who coaches the field events, actually recruited Brittany Floyd to transfer here from UAB. And the impact that she had in just the one year she's been here is honestly quite astounding. Her, even the Brit, Brit, Floyd ended up finishing with 5,410 um, points in heptathlon. And that is still and while that is not her highest scoring heptathlon of the season it is still highest scoring than the original UCF program outdoor heptathlon record from Jamie Pugh in 2003 so even though she didn't get that she get as high as she normally did over the over the rest rest of the season it was still better than every other UCF heptathlete 
before her. However, I think what a, 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 a big deal about this is it opens the door for Natalia Madison, who, who is a sophomore. She ended up to get um, her, her high this year was 5,226 points, which is right in Floyd's neighborhood. And I think her influence on her and Holly Castles, who are, the, who, who are two of UCS other athletes, is going to be major going going forward, especially since she opened the door with getting second team All-American status by fin- by finishing 16th. Um, after day one, she was in 22nd after day one. So luckily, her, her through three of her better events were the last three events, and she ended up getting all the way up to 16th. So um, I looked and I think 16th was like the very last spot, first first spot on the second team All-American status. So Absolutely well done for for Brittany Floyd. Brittany Floyd, I think it, she had a really great one and done year for for her at UCF. But I think the, her biggest impact is going to be what the impact she's had on the rest of UCF's heptathletes. And I'm very interested to see if her work with Atalia Madison could result in another heptathlete getting to Eugene in the near future. We'll just have to see on that. All right. So uh, the overall successful NCAA championships for UCF, in your opinion? Um, so that's a really hard thing to say because there was a couple there's a couple of qualifying factors. One, Renaya obviously got disqualified. That's not uh, uh, that's not exactly the, you know, the ideal thing to happen. The, the, the bright side is she made it back to the final. The bad news is she ended up getting disqualified, which kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. The other thing is that this squad could easily have been bigger going to Eugene because um, Coach Boone mentioned in her interview that she wanted to get more people on the podium, specifically the four by 400 meter relay team. But unfortunately, because of, of, of an illness with the team during the East preliminary weekend, they were not able to compete and thus could not make it to Eugene. And Latasha Smith and the four by and, and the four by 400 meter relay team absolutely killed it this year they broke the school records in the in the event this year so i think that if they were to have gone to eugene they would have may had a very very respectable performance so it's unfortunate that they couldn't go but these are just kind of factors out of this team's control i think um what this is more than anything and i think coach boone really said it best is that this is a stepping stone for the future there is there is patently much, much more that could have been done with this that unfortunately just out of, of out of a lot of things control just didn't really work out this time. The good news is, is that the entire four by 400 relay team should be back next year. Samir Bradwell is going to be a senior. So it will be, I, it, will, it could potentially be the last time that specific quartet of Smith, Best, um, Kia Williams and Samir Bradwell could be back. But I think that what this meet shows us more than anything is that there is a building going around because it started with Renaya and I think, and now it's, I think, and it really was all about after that building a team around her that can, ha- that can have success and make, like she said, little bits of history along the way. And they've been doing that so far. So while I don't think we've reached the highest point, the, the peak of this team's ability, uh, this is a, I would say this is a promising sign. All right, cool. So it's Bryson Turner on Twitter. And that concludes 
the 2021-2022 athletic year for uh, UCF with the NCAA championships. Just like that, we're done. We're looking forward to 2022-2023. As we talked about the upcoming last year in the American Athletic Conference for UCF, which we talked about earlier. And uh, yeah, so all of a sudden, things are going to start moving real quick in the next 12 to 18 months uh, for UCF Sports. Bryson, thanks again. And uh, we will have, so next week, uh, oh yeah, you said you have one more thing. Yes, uh, I just want to make a quick shout out to Mark Kostek, who is the secretary rules editor for the NCAA Track and Field Committee. He was the person that I called to help get an interpretation on the rule with Renias. So I very much appreciate his insight on this. And I just wanted to make sure I shout I shouted him out because his insight was very helpful in understanding what exactly happened in that situation. Cool. All right. Awesome. So to, again, thanks to him for, for helping clarify uh, what happened. All right. So. Uh, that will do it for us for uh, for not just the season, but for um, for this week's show. Next week, we begin our bat- Black and Gold Banneret Awards, where it's going to be our nomination show. Uh, we're working on those nominees as we speak. We'll have them for you. We'll all, we will vote on it, and you, the fans, will get to vote on it uh, as well. So as we wrap up, again, thanks to Andrew Glukoff, Stat Boy Drew, and Kyle Nash, the SOTG for the student of the game on Twitter. It's Bryson Turner on Twitter as well. And all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret. Make sure you follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Uh, make sure you also uh, follow our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, follow us at Black and Gold Banneret.com for all your UCF sports needs, takes. It's going to be a busy, busy uh, off season. Also follow us on YouTube. Look us up at Black and Gold Banneret on YouTube as well for the latest uh, interviews, press conferences from all UCF uh, uh, media availability that we're able to get to. So for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week for our Black and Gold Banneret Awards nomination show. Until then, enjoy the week. Mm-hmm.